This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 563 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, Bates Saddles, and SureFit Equine Stability Program. We are very excited to announce that we were able to bring Ingrid Klimka on the show tonight, as well as two popular friends of the show, Wendy Murdoch and Patty Mayer. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. This is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Good Hi, evening, everybody. Reese. <laughs> it is evening. It is evening. Hey. I, I have had to actually look at the day and time multiple times, <laughs> the date uh, today. I, I don't know. I, it feels like it should be well, Friday. You know, it's sure. Thursday. You know, it's Thursday. We're recording. That's all. You, yeah. That's all you need to know. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much all day. You know, it's been like, oh, it's Thursday radio show. But I'm sure everyone's having show. this. Yeah, everyone's having this struggle a little bit. Um, welcome to quarantine week. I don't even know. I think I've been here a month uh, from Florida. So uh, I think I've left the uh, farm in a month, four, like twice. Four, four weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, four or five weeks for most people yeah. anyways in North yeah. America. So what's going on? How's it going? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I think, you know, right now we all have challenges. Uh, my horses are, I, I remember, I, I feel like I'm getting some abs from lots of stall cleaning, uh, but it's all good. My horses are good. Um, we actually had quite cold weather today. Um, oh, and it is freezing yeah, this week. Yeah. It, it's cold. It's Ugh. been cold. Yeah. Not yeah. going to lie. Um, and this week is, would have been, uh, the Kentucky three day event, um, so it's a little bit sad today. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little sad today. I've had all the emotions. I think probably everyone has. Um, I, I've been training someone for the Kentucky three day. So the fact that we're not there is a little, a little sad, but it would have literally been pouring rain probably during her test. So that was a bonus. Uh, but it's good. I, um, I, I, I don't know about you. I, well, Phil, you and I are in, in a little bit different. I'm, I'm here on my farm. And I'm here by myself with my husband. My husband's here as well. He's working really hard uh, and I'm working really hard. So I have to be honest, I, I've been sleeping pretty well because by the time I get in, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> we eat dinner. I do night check. I take a shower. I do a little yoga and I am out for the count. So uh, I have eight horses here uh, that I've been doing. So, uh, you know, I'm able to ride because I'm, I'm here on the farm. Uh, and so I've been, you know, that's, that's been a challenge. That's a different challenge for me. I don't typically do chores. Not that I haven't in the past, but normally, so I've, I've got a little fitter, Phil, not going to lie. I'm I'm getting pretty fit. Well, Uh, I know I've been a little bit, uh, um, getting my exercise through our new little partnership with dressage rider training. Yeah. Tell everybody uh, about that. So, uh, Dressage Rider Training is an online um, website hosted by Nicholas Smith, who uh, runs an online uh, fitness program directed through videos that should, you know, that are targeted towards, you know, helping riders. We had her on the show a couple of weeks ago. We try and talk about it every week, um, and we're trying to get people to sign up to be part of our community and and part of 
you know, um, getting some exercise while, while people can't ride. And, uh, so that's what I've been kind of focusing on for my exercise and, uh, yeah, it's been pretty fun actually. Yeah. It's, it's a great program. I'm really looking forward to doing it for sure. So Phil, tell everybody about it. Uh, and how we can get online. Well, yeah, basically, uh, you just go to www.dressageridertraining.com forward slash DRS to sort of check out the program, see if it would be for you. Um, and we you know, start, just, right, on Sunday yeah, or Monday. We start on Monday with week one on Monday. So, mm-hmm. so like I said, I've sort of got a, a jump on a the program. To, I've, I've been going through, yeah, going through the week one exercises and stuff a little early to get kind of mm-hmm. used to how it runs and, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's, it's not too, ch- I mean, it's challenging, but I think it's not going to overface too many people. And no, uh, you can go at your own level, right? It's three yeah, workouts. Sort of do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get your three, three workouts. Um, each one is sort of targeted, uh, towards a different, way of exercising so there's a yoga one that's kind of stretching and and getting more flexible there's one on core directed training and then there's a third 20 minute workout for uh just overall strength arms legs core everything so that's kind of cool and you get to follow along with the video and uh you know it's i think if we do it all together as a you know a bit of a dressage community uh that that's kind of fun as well so we're gonna you know kind of start that next week and keep talking about it and uh try and try and love it you'll really towards their their fitness goals i think yeah yeah i love it i love it well phil we also we got a great uh email from usdf what what do we got for that today well usdf is hosting a quarantine scavenger hunt and everybody is invited the goal is to complete a nine-word sentence, which you will find uh, scavenger hunt style online in the different USDF online properties. So uh, after you've com- kind of figured figured that out and email your completed sentence to contest at usdf.org to be entered into a prize drawing, they will, will be giving away five USDF online store gift cards ranging from a $50 all the way up to the grand prize of 200 bucks. So That's entries awesome. are due on by May 1st. Uh, go ahead and get the full details. I didn't do a good job explaining it, but you can get the full details on the USDF website under announcements. So check out announcements on usdf.org and they'll tell you all about how you can um, do a quarantine scavenger hunt. Sounds pretty fun. I love it. Yeah, no, I think for for everybody, you know, again, quarantine is different for wherever you are in the world um, and and what's going on. But I love that. That sounds fantastic. Um, So, Phil, we have one. We're going to we're trying to keep it light and fun, but we do have one thing we really want to talk about. And that's kind of the the plight of the school horse. Right. This is this is near and dear to both our hearts. But you've been really seeing this online this week, haven't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I've. uh, I have friends, I have clients, uh, you know, we're all involved in the horse industry and especially in, in dressage and, uh, you know, uh, show jumping, you know, in our, in, in, in my life, um, I've been very influenced by people who are running, uh, school horse programs or lesson programs, and they're really getting hit hard, uh, through this 
pandemic that's happened and that, you know, nobody is able to go out and ride horses. I know in, in around, you know, in Ontario where we are here, um, they've closed the barns. They've not allowed anyone to run lessons. Um, you know, the government's mandated that, but, you know, that leaves, you know, anyone who's been running a lesson program in a really tough place because, you know, just because you're not taking lessons doesn't mean horses don't need to, they have costs associated in, in feed and, you know, hay and, and just in their care. And I think, um, you know, people should think about that and, and think about, uh, you know, the different barns have, have had, uh, you can see them all online, like online fundraisers for helping to support the school horses um, because these, I mean, these people, you know, can't just go ahead and sell their horses. Or, I mean, nobody's going to, nobody's buying horses right now. And I think it's just, it, it, it's really sad. And there's, there's not specific government programs to, to help these businesses out. Um, so I just want everybody to kind of think about that and think about finding a way to um, support, support lesson barns because they're really the grassroots of our industry. You know, anybody who, um, you know, doesn't own their own horse, probably leases one or co-boards one. And right now, all of those farms are having a really tough time. So, um, yeah, uh, th- that's yeah. that's all I've got to say about that. I, I really feel for them. Yes, I do too. And and thank you for, for, I mean, I think we're all, we're all paying attention, but I think it is, it's really important that we, um, yeah, watch those horses for everybody. So we get, we, um, if you can help your local school program, please do that. Uh, Equine Canada has something going on. There's also equestrian, uh, aid.com. They, they have some programs. So there are programs. If you need anything, uh, or anything we can help with, feel free to email. Yeah. I mean, if there, yeah. If there's, if there's somebody who, you know, who knows about a, a big organized program, um, please let us know and we come on the show, talk about it. Cause we want to support, we want to support the school, school barns. Yeah, absolutely. We need, we all need those horses and ponies. They're amazing. So, uh, Phil, thanks for bringing that up and we really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, we're going to we're going to get the show rolling. We got, we got a, a huge great show. show. Actually, we got a know? huge yeah. show for you guys. So we're going to get it rolling. Uh you know, again we've talked about it. We're I've even list started listening to podcasts myself and I don't mind a little longer episode right now. Um uh, but we're going to get started. So we're going to have a commercial break from Bait Saddle and we're going to come back with Wendy Murdoch. Uh she's got some great stuff going on. Bates Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure the absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a bait saddle. See your local retailer for a test ride or visit baitsaddles.com to find out more. That's baitsaddles.com. Well, today we are so happy to have our regular guest, Wendy Murdoch, back on the show. Wendy, welcome. 
Oh, it's so great to be back with you. We love having you. And and I will say you and I and, and, and Phil too, but this was supposed to be a special week here in Kentucky. It is the Rolex. Oh, excuse me. It's not Rolex anymore. It is the Kentucky three day event week. And uh, we were going to have you here and we were going to have some events. And uh, so we're a little bit sad that we don't get to see you, um, but uh, we get to talk to you and that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah I was so looking forward to the Land Rover three-day event and yeah, just coming out to Kentucky being, I was going to have a booth. I was going to have my Surefoot pads there um, and kind of introduce them more into the eventing world. Cause some of the eventing people know about them, but I thought this is a great way to kind of kick it off into the eventing world. And, and then I was going to hang out and stay with you and work with some of your students. And mm-hmm. now we're all at stay at home. Yeah, we're not doing that, which is tough, you know, and we were talking before. I also had a student that was qualified. And I mean, it's, it's, as we all know, there's lots of challenges right now, but you've got some really, really cool stuff going on. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've got going on? Yeah, sure. So, so um, because we're all stay at home, I thought, that it would be really interesting if I just started doing some some webinars, and I've not done webinars before. So, I, but I had Zoom, and I had been in the, you know interviewed a couple of times, and my friend kind of coached me through it. Unfortunately, they have upgraded their security, so we don't have to worry about that so much anymore. But um, mm-hmm. I started doing these webinars, and I just started asking some of my friends if they would come on. So I've had Dr. Stephen Peters and Robin Hood, Linda Tellington Jones' sister, and Patrick King, and uh, Felicitas von Newman Cassell. And I know she was on your show recently, so that was really fun. Last week, um, yes. Yeah, and she's she's so delightful. And she's a person that you just can't nail down because she's, you know, busy. And so right now. So busy, yeah. yeah. Right? We were lucky yeah. We were lucky to I get know. her, yeah. <laughs> I know. So there's some, you know, there's some, some bright spots in this thing in that we can reach out to people and they're actually there and available. And so it was such a pleasure to have her. But um, then I realized that, uh, I should contact my dear friend, Nigel Casserly. I've known him since 92. Um, we met at the horse park um, doing the Pony Club Nationals. We had a viral outbreak. And so my team, I, I lived in Connecticut and the Wilton Pony Club qualified, but they couldn't go. But I had already made plans and booked my flight and I was going to be at the festival. So I flew down and I just walked into the office and I said, you know, do you need any help? And I was talking to Nigel. I didn't know who he was, you know, and he, it was really funny because he acted like I should know who he was, and I didn't have a clue. <laughs> um, but anyway, we went out to dinner, and we became really good friends, so I've known him since then. And then um, about a month or so ago, he he popped a phone call, but I, I didn't have time to get back to him because my life was busy. And then I realized, wouldn't it be a blast to have Nigel on my webinar on Cross Country Day? Amazing. So I called Same. him up. So, sorry, said, just, uh, yeah, just... Uh, maybe you could introduce everyone to who Nigel is and, and yes, uh, oh and sure, okay, his relationship yeah. to because yeah. I didn't know either. Um, Nigel uh, announced at the Kentucky Horse Park eventing for the three day for thirty six years, and so mm-hmm. you know he was considered the voice of Rolex, and um, and just his voice is so distinctive. And uh, I actually helped him out in two thousand six. I went and and um, just was part of his crew, string and wire, and that sort of thing. So. Um, you know, I just, I called him up and I said, you know, would you like to be on the show and talk about 36 years of announcing Rolex? Cause you know, he has crazy stories because he would know all the inside things. And he said, yes. So I was just like, yes. And then, um, Michelle Dunn, he, 
con- connected me with Michelle Dunn, who does photography, and she has uh, on Facebook these amazing pictures from Rolex for many years. Um, and so I contacted her, and she gave me permission to use some of her photos. So I'll have photos, and I'll have uh, pictures of Nigel. But the best part, because I started looking on the Internet to see if I could find old footage, and then Nigel con- contacted me and he said, you know, he has this VHS tape. So Brad, my husband, drove up. He, he doesn't live that far from us. And he drove up and met him part way and brought it home. And we just put it in the VHS player. And it's from 1982. And it the footage is perfect. And it's so fabulous because it opens up with the colored bars and the tone and then the countdown. And it's KETTV. It's Kentucky. And then mm-hmm. here's Nigel with Denny Emerson introducing what they're going to talk about. And then the writer is Kim Walness. And I just think it's perfect. So I haven't seen the whole thing because we're we're converting it onto DVD right now. So then I have to put it onto my computer so I can play that for the webinar on Saturday. But I just think it's going to be a blast because, you know, I mean, we can't be there for the real thing, but we can remember all the, the old days. And I mean, when there was only the big barn and there, you know. Right. And, you know, Rolex Kentucky three-day event, which is now the Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, you know, is a huge part of my life, too, because I'm from Kentucky. And it is really a huge community show. And, I mean, it's it's incredible. 80,000 to 100,000 people go or something. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a huge event now. And and it's a huge thing to cancel. You know, we have we have Kentucky so and then we have the Derby. And so, you know, for, for Kentucky right now, it's very sad for us because this is a, a, a really it's a huge party actually for like two two weeks you know yeah we have people we have cocktail I literally just go to the wine store and get <laughs> wine and cheese and cocktails and just have it ready because it is literally a party at the farm every night and so it is it is a little bit sad um that this yeah. isn't happening and and I know Nigel like his voice is like a voice from my childhood you know it's so I I have a a particular understanding of, of what you're talking about. And, and if you do get a chance to, to look at any of the footage of Rolex and what, or Kentucky and what happens. And I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing event. Literally yeah. today is Thursday. We're recording on Thursday and this is, we call it in quotation marks, a holiday for us. We literally take the day. We usually give the horses off and we, you know, do those stalls and chores in the morning. And then we go, shopping literally the entire <laughs> yeah. barn goes together and we all go shopping for the day and it's a trade uh, show, right? year. yeah it's a trade it's yeah. huge trade show huge it's and amazing. we would have yeah we would have hung out with you the sure yeah. booth like for sure we would have come and hung out and i, I mean, was going to share really a booth with eric kraut he was coming from oklahoma and you know he does um rehab on horses and so we were going to share a booth so i was going to get to meet eric and i remember yeah. like um, I went to grad school at UK, University of Kentucky in Lexington, mm-hmm. from 81 to 86. So I would go from 81 to 86 to watch because I w- was living in the town. Um, yes. So, yes. you know, I mean, it was it was really, it it is, and it will be back. And that's the thing we have to remember is it's not gone. It's just on hold. And it will be back right. next year. Be- and, you know, and that's the thing is we really have to keep in mind that that this will not die and it will be no. stronger. And, you know, um, hopefully your your student's going to qualify again. And maybe this is an opportunity to kind of just um, do a little downtime with the horses. I know in Florida, apparently everybody's working on their horses to, to um, improve them, you know, to get them really well and fit. 
while there's no showing going on. That's right. And busy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's literally what all the writers that we're talking to. And I think all of us, uh, we're doing that, you know, we're just saying step back. There's no pressure to show. So you can really work on throughness and suppleness and work on things, uh, like the sure foot pads, right? This is right. a great time to take some time with, with the surefoot pads when you have time yeah, to work with your horse. They're great for, for helping core stability too. Um, Dr. Melissa King, at, um, she just recently, uh, they, uh, it's the, I think it's the ISLEP. I think I have that right. It's acronyms. I sometimes get in trouble. Um, <laughs> but it's <laughs> um, anyway, Dr. McKing did a lecture for that group and they have put out videos for free to the public. And of course, you know, she's used surefoot pads for years and she starts to sh- talk about surefoot pads and shows pictures of horses on surefoot pads. And then she writes murdochmethod.com on the whiteboard, you know, um, and my other guest I'm going to have this week is Dr. Sherry Johnson, who's been working with Dr. King now for years. She was just at Rudin Riddle in February and did a, a lecture in wet lab on using surefoot pads for neurologic horses. Now, I always tell people when they have a neurologic horse to call their vet because I can't diagnose. But Dr. Johnson has developed protocols to use the pads to help these neurologic horses, which is phenomenal. Oh, and that's really cool. Yeah. 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 She's going to be my webinar guest on um, Friday. And that one you do have to register for because I, I, um, um, it has all these, all my webinars do have a limit on how many people can enroll. Um, but right. you can just go to my Surefoot Equine page and I have up the, um, the, registration links you can click on that and if somebody can't find it they can just email me and um, i'll send them the links to register for the lectures tonight i have dr stephen peters he's a human neuropsychologist that wrote evidence-based horsemanship and he's studied the horse's brain literally dissected it and looked at the different parts of the brain to understand how what horses can mentally in other words you know we, we we i'm talking to you on my star trek you know communicator here which we can think of (laughs) right we can imagine things and make it so um and and horses don't have that capacity so it really helps to understand how the horse's brain works when you're thinking about training because um you know when we when we understand how simple they are in their thought process then we can back down and recognize that horse isn't doing that to me or he you know so many people go well he should know better well, why should he know better? You yeah. know, he's yeah. a horse. Um, and so it really helps to understand learning and training and, and that kind of thing. And in people, too, well, I'm listening to Dr. Peter. So he's he's been great. And we've had Bob Belker from Michigan State, who's like the hoof guru. And all my webinars are on my YouTube channel, on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. So anybody can go back and watch all of them, which um, I've had so many people tell me that they're just – there's so much information that like Bob's lectures, they, we did too, because his internet died. <laughs> he didn't put enough quarters in. Um, so we went back. <laughs> <laughs> well, the internet right now, girl, we can, we yeah. can tell you, we can attest to it. It is it, everyone's using it. So it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we have four hours of, of lecture from Bob. That's just amazing. And people have already been messaging me and going, you know, I'm starting to think about my horse's feet differently and use Bob's ideas and, um, And so it's just great to have, you know, we wouldn't be able to have these connections and get the stuff recorded to make it available if, if we weren't in this situation. So, yeah, yeah, there's lots of positivity to come out of it Mm -hmm. and, and lots of educational opportunities. Yeah. We're trying to do that a little bit with our show, but I mean, there's lots of places to connect online 
um, where, you know, where people are providing uh, entertainment and a little education all mixed in. So yeah. I'm I'm really glad you're doing that. That's uh, yeah. That that's a way of taking this and making it a positive thing. I think. Absolutely. And, you know, I've done three online courses with CRK training and what Callie King has done is made all the courses available. Normally she like has them closed and then launches them, but because people are at home and it's a great time, like my courses have a lot of unmounted stuff that you can do at home if you can't get to your horse, that's going to improve your riding. And believe me, when I Mm -hmm. do my Feldenkrais work, um, I used to go for nine day trainings and come home and my horse would say, great, now go back and do more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, so those online courses are available at CRK Training. Uh, I think if people just go to the EffortlessRiderCourse.com, they'll get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great time where people can just kind of deep dive into information and learning that we'd otherwise be so busy. You know, we're like mm-hmm. trying to fit it in around the corners, and here we can really immerse ourselves and and learn. You know, I, I've had to learn how to do Zoom meetings, which has definitely been right. an immersion. <laughs> Oh, girl, mm, I don't look good on them either. I'm just saying, I can do my hair or not. I still look the same. I finally uh, cut my bangs. It was so hot. I couldn't see. I mean, let's be real. We're all, this is, these are all things that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but, home haircuts, yeah. 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 So, so Wendy, um, are your webinars, are they complimentary? Like, how, or, or do you pay for them? How does that work? They're, they're all free. They're up on my YouTube channel, Surefoot Equine. Um, they're all free and they're available. They're all uh, an hour long except for Bob's because he has a lot to say. And, um, you know, they can you can just go there if you want. You can subscribe and then you'll get a notice when I put up a new one. And if you want to know who my guests are. So once a week on the weekend, I put up all the links in an email to my guests for the next week. And I put it up on the Surefoot Equine Facebook page in the banner so you can see who the guests are. But if you just go to my website, murdochmethod.com, and join my email newsletter list, then you'll get that email in your inbox, and you'll have all the links. You can just go to the person and click on the link and register for the webinar, and it's free, um, but there is a limit. So, um, you know, you want to make sure that you sign up early, and then if you miss it, because the biggest thing is I have I have an audience around the world, and so... I change my times to, you know, like sometimes it's at one, sometimes it's at three, sometimes like tonight's going to be at eight o'clock because, you know, there's the Europeans that are earlier and the Australians that are later. And so I try to move it around to kind of um, let people come in that might not otherwise if I kept it at the same time. But I love how now you're doing the webinars. So again, what was the website again? So people know. So my website is murdochmethod.com. Just join my email list and the webinars are on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And of course, it's um, Surefoot Equine and Murdoch Method on Facebook page. Um, And that way, that's uh, like I say, I kind of cross post between the two right now with the webinars. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
Well, today we are so pleased to have Ingrid Klemke. She is a German Olympic eventing and dressage rider. She has appeared in five Olympic Games from 2000 to 2016. She's won two team gold medals in team eventing in 2008 and the Summer Games in 2012 as well. In 2016, she won the team silver with Hale Bob. Ingrid, welcome to our show. Hello, nice to meet you. We are so pleased to have you on in this time. It's it's such a difficult time around the world, uh, but a benefit for us is that we get you on our show. <laughs> You're yes, not quite as busy. Normally, I would be very busy <laughs> getting exactly. getting the season started. Yes, exactly. So, Ingrid, tell us right now, what is it? Um, you know, again, I, I'm in K Kentucky in the U.S. and Philip is in Canada. What right now is coronavirus doing to you and your stable? Um, I'm living in a small city called Münster, and uh, from the beginning on, um, it was closed, what means we were allowed to keep the horses um, in condition, but not really to work them or not really go out for condition training, not leave the barn. Um, we had to really make sure that um, we care about the horses, but first it was um, not allowed to really train the horses, so it was a little bit strange what is training and what not. For sure, I said my cavalletti work is keeping the horses just healthy and no fitness training, so we were mm -hmm. discussing about it, what is, what is right and what is wrong. But the good thing <laughs> is the weather was always fine, so every horse was uh, for hours out on pasture. I every day went to the barn and... Um, Take, took good care and rode the horses and schooled the young horses. So um, we were able to really be every day with the horses what was already a treat here. While some in some parts of Germany it was closed, that they said um, it's not allowed to ride. So finally um, we, as the professional riders, are now able at this stage to uh, train the horses in normal terms and uh, jump them again, so we wait, whatever is coming out, if shows are starting or not. But I really enjoy, I must say, now to have a time with no pressure that I must say, oh, this one has to do the change in the next four weeks while there's a show coming. So every day I really enjoy being with the horses, spend lots of time, also a little bit do some natural horsemanship or go with my now 22-year-old Abraxas, <laughs> the two-time Olympic gold mm -hmm. medalist, out for some nice hugs. And so for me, it's at the moment a very quiet time, but I'm very happy that I can go to the hospital every day. And, and Ingrid, are you getting, you're also a mom, which is so cool to me. You have two wonderful daughters. Uh, are you spending a little bit more time at home and, and, and spending time with them as well? Yes, very much time because my <laughs> small daughter is 10 years old. And now we are already in the six weeks, will be seven weeks in the hole, um, where there's no school. So she has a plan what she has to do every day in school. So we try to do our homework together. <laughs> I try to read some of um, my books, which I always am interested in redoing some things or read other books and help her. Uh, we cooked very much because my older daughter, Greta, is working for her final exam. Oh. She doesn't know if it will take part and when it will take part. So this is also a big uh, change every week here in Germany, um, mm -hmm. when they are allowed to go to school or not, or can they finish their high school or not. So we hope that her, all her 
learning on, and um, her work she's putting every day for her last exams that they really will take part. So we are really enjoying um, our wonderful home, the garden, the dogs, and I'm starting cooking <laughs> as much as I haven't done the last five years for sure. <laughs> But we practice some fun things and uh, some moves from Toblerone, for example, which is our favorite now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, my, I'm very happy that my family is healthy because we all live here around, my brothers and especially my mom was getting 80 this year. So we wow. always try to keep her quiet because she's very busy like we all are and she always wants to meet people and it's everywhere. So we try to tie her up a bit and explain her that we really want to be with her all the time, but would be more safe for her if she takes more care <laughs> and uh, so now we she's coming to the horses and watches me riding and uh, with a good distance so we all <laughs> are getting a little bit of a routine now and um, try to at least see each other from the distance and yeah. stay in touch so, yeah normal uh, challenges yeah yeah so yeah. i just uh, wanted to ask you how it's affected your um maybe your teaching business or you know the other things that you would do Yes, yeah, so it's um, once a week, for example, I do an open training day where um, people can come to my barn and um, I explain them the horses and we do some sessions with jumping, with dressage, they can ask questions and it's always booked out, so now nobody's allowed to come. Um, I'm not allowed to teach and unfortunately, um, even our head trainer, Hans Melzer, or my jumping trainer, um, Kurt Gavemeyer, they were not allowed to come because I'm not allowed to teach, but we also are not allowed to get lessons. So mm. this will be changing. Luckily, they said now in one or two weeks that the professionals are allowed to train and give lessons again. I hope that uh, that will start because business-wise, um, for sure, I enjoy being much more with the horses and my students at home. They, they said they have a marvelous time. <laughs> I learn theoretically in practice. Yeah. I ride it. I show them. Then they are able to try it again. Um, but business-wise, especially with my sponsors, um, I try to um, ask questions for them, and we try to make new plans. What what we can give if they can't um, really go out to shows, and I can't do any cross walking, and so I know that each partner. We are two sides. It's not only the taking. It's especially important for me also to give. And so um, I hope that the time will change, that it will be more open, that people can come and that I can do some seminars and um, shows will start again and not be quit for the whole year. That's really my big hope. Yeah. I think I think that's everyone's hope around the world. Here we ha yeah. we have three countries, you know, and we're we're all in the same boat together. And um, you know, that leads me to the question, Ingrid, about the um the Olympic Games. I mean, here you've been working so hard in two different sports. Yeah. How how do you, how are you dealing with that and staying uh, positive? I was I was so ready for it. Um mm -hmm. we had really four times cross country training already while the weather was so good. So till March We went um, to our main training center in Warendorf, to the DOKR, and had great lessons with Bobby and with Asha in eventing. And my trainer, Johnny Hilberath, the German dressage trainer, came to see um, Franziskus. 
And my trainer at home, Johannes Augustin, we all thought that Franciscus is in a wonderful shape and really improved a lot over the winter. We did our personal um, health certificate we have to do every year. And I said, mm. I'm even fitter from <laughs> since I was in London. So I said, okay, great. Okay, so yeah. That's right. <laughs> so I was really pedaling as much as I can. So <laughs> here we are. And um, I still hope till the end uh, that something will take place because you never know what will be next year. Bobby is next year 17, so this year 16. I touch wood on my head now because he's mm-hmm. a very strong horse and he's at the moment full of energy, not knowing why we are not allowed to buck around the fields <laughs> or to go for condition training on the hill, what is his favorite. Um, but next year he will be 17. For Asha it will be good because she's now nine. She gained experience last year on the four-star level and finished in Bokolo with a qualification result. So I was very proud of her. One more year would give her definitely a little bit more experience. So um, you can see both sides. Mm-hmm. And for Francisco, um, while he's still developing, I'm really happy to look forward that um, another year will give us also a chance to show more improvement. On the other hand, well, who knows what's next year? Mm-hmm. You never yeah. know. It. I yeah. would say that there were two hearts beeping for the one. I know it's definitely no chance to do the Olympic in, in this year for sure. But on the other hand, um, if you have worked for a dream for four years and mm. so short before you know oh, it will take place next year, then um, I was a bit disappointed, I must honestly say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so, uh, everyone. Yeah, that's it's a hard. Of, that's a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. But I was just going to ask you, um, so could you have qualified the two separate horses to compete at the Olympics in the two different disciplines? Or is there any rules against that? Has anyone ever done that before? Written, yes, uh, was, perhaps, perhaps uh, dressage uh, and eventing. Um, in 1988 in Seoul, there was... Um, one rider who did dressage and eventing. And then I know Mark Todd did it in Barcelona. He was jumping and eventing. And Ah. I think it was Niels Hagensen who did it in dressage and eventing. But I'm I'm not so sure. I know that there were three in the hole I know who did it. And from the time-wise, I mean, it's always one after the other, luckily. So... You can do the one thing and the next. That's my normal routine and my daily work that I ride some dressage horses and I ride my eventers. And if I have a good jumper, I also really love to jump and do some jumping competitions. So for me, it would be really um, nothing where I would say it's not... Um, it would be very different than your normal yes, routine. it would be really different. And I'm, I really can focus very well and... I'm, I think it makes me busy, what's good, because <laughs> often if you have one horse, then my stable manager, Cam, and me, we are looking who is allowed to go grazing today. Can he graze for a few more times? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. And so uh, I really, I like to, to ride and enjoy it so much. So cross the fingers that one day this dream will come true. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you a little bit about your your mainly dressage horse, Franciscus. Um, what is he like as a horse? You know, what is he like to ride? Uh, you know, how long have you ridden him? Just, you know, as a general interest to uh, all of I, our listeners. Okay. I got him when he was five, in the end of five. 
And um, there he was all, already be, has been Bundes champion in Germany for the four-year-old stallions and was at the grading grade. The owner, Willem Holkenbring from the Stadt Holkenbring, they bought him when he was a foal. He saw him as a foal, Willem, and fall in love with him. And from that moment on, he believed in Franziskus and says, this horse will one day be um, have a chance to go to the very top. So he was really fond and his biggest fan from when he saw him as a filly. And when he was five, in the end of five, he had a little bit of a time where he wanted to test who is yeah. the boss. And mm -hmm. he is quite a tall horse with so much muscles and power and so um, knows exactly that he is a real star. And he <laughs> thinks so in the beginning, we had um, quite, a, I must say, quite a few years where um, he tested me and wanted to find out maybe he has a chance to take off or maybe he has a chance to buck or is there another mm. mare around which I can whinny when we walk around and, and yeah. I'm so busy in the test. So it took, a, took me a while to um, really tame him and explain him that... <laughs> It's the best for you and me if we are great partners, but you have to accept that I'm the boss. <laughs> so there were some really uh, lucky moments and some funny stories. Um, he, I, from the beginning on, I know that he has he is such a strong character in the way of um, no, he has no fear. He wants to really show when he comes somewhere where's applause and where the more people are there, the more he wants to show off and say, here I am, is everybody looking? I'm the prettiest, I'm the biggest, <laughs> the tallest. <laughs> and yeah. what his favorite real stallion. From, yeah, real yes. stallion, I was really yes. say. On the one hand, <laughs> on the other hand, he is so sweet. I mean, when you have him in the stall and when you go, um, when you um, spend time with him sometimes, on the bigger shows, I really also um, like to be the groom, like I was last year in Stockholm, uh, in Stuttgart. There, um, I, my groom went home with my adventure, and I said I stay here with him, and so I can really take more time to um, build the confidence, to build the trust, to have a better connection. That he really is winning now when I'm coming, and I really know that we are much very have a good relationship and a good partnership now. So he is really is very sensitive, sweet, sweet horse. Some people couldn't believe in the beginning, while often he looked like a, like a really, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say wild, but definitely, definitely he impresses everybody when he came in. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so now he is very, very nice. You can really ride him with all kinds of ponies at home. They can jump, they can be horses on the pasture, bucking around, and he focuses so it's every day a big, big pleasure now to ride him. And the wonderful thing is that um, there were for sure many ups and downs. And there were some moments where we went for dinner, the uh, owner, Willem, with his wife, Beata and me, and I, we were really thinking, Phew, it's such a, such a tough time sometimes. Um, how do we keep going? And um, is it really um, worth or how much effort do we put in? But we always believed in him. And so now when last year, December, the trainers um, told us that we, the, that we made it to the Olympic Kader. We really thought our dream that as a team we will be unbeatable because it's really teamwork. While mm -hmm. he is, his first job is, his, is breeding and the second job is to become um, a top horse in the dressage arena. So he's living 
um, quite close in the stallion barn at Holgenbrings and five times a week, one of, um, of them, either the William himself or the kids or somebody who's working in the office even or somebody who's uh, mm -hmm. there as a groom, they come with him on the trailer and then I ride him at my barn and then he goes home. So I wasn't so sure in the beginning, can we really um, made it with having him not at my barn and we tried to keep him for two weeks there but with so many mares, dogs, kids, everything was always on the aisle. He, he felt really not happy while there was too much going on and too often he had to whinny and explain that he is the boss and everybody <laughs> must listen to him. <laughs> and finally, we found out that this really works very well while everybody takes good care of him. And I think this yeah. is really sensational. Wow. Normally, you wouldn't think that it's possible, but it's working and mm -hmm. it's the continues to enjoy while he knows when he comes to me then we work and he loves Carletti work, he loves to go on the racetrack when he has done some good movements in the dressage then as a treat um, I put the stirrups two holes up and then we go nice round mm -hmm. catering what he really enjoys around the pastures and so I really know that uh, we are now on in a relationship which where we still can grow let's say like this so um, my next question is a little bit related to what you were just talking about. I know that like, you are really good about cross-training all of your horses. Dressage horses do jumping, and, and um, you know your father was the Cavaletti king, and now you've taken over that. Uh, how much cross-training are you doing with, with uh, Franciscus, a horse at the top of his level? Um, you um, know, what's, your typical, what's a typical week look like for his training schedule? Um, so I, I have him five times. So one time he has off, one day off. And the other day is either he is lunch at home or Sophie Holgenbring, the daughter. Um, she just um, goes for him for a little hug and makes him round and long and low and plays a little bit with him round. So he has an easy day. And um, when he's with me, normally I really love to ride him in the snaffle because I like to take the double for the show. So normally I ride him in the snaffle and I have the Cavaletti in walk, trot, and canter every day in my arena. So then I can choose, um, do I do some walk exercises or I walk a few times over the walk Cavaletti, then I trot in the stretching phase. I trot forward, downwards, on the circle, let the range chew through my hands over the trot Cavaletti. And then in canter, I use them a lot with him for collective canter that I put them on the circle and then I smaller the circle in travea, bigger the circle in shoulder in, um, canter a few times over the cavaletti, then smaller again and then do some medium and come back on the other hand. So the collecting, the canter is, has a reason. If you collect, collect and make it sometimes for the dressage horses um, too often or on a too small a circle, they found it really hard. And if they have the cavaletti, then they have to focus and figure out the stride. So the stride, they jump much more with the inside hind leg higher over the pole and canter in a quality collected canter. So this is one of his favorite exercises. And mm. I must say, trot, if I do... It, if I use the Cavaletti for trot work sitting, then while his regular trot is already so quality from his hind legs footing under the center of gravity, then I have to put it on the second level. 
so then he has an extra amount yes, of the, lifting yeah. like higher. For yeah. him, on the lower level, it's like nothing because he's not <laughs> like this. So, let's just say it's good, but for him, we need the second level. And what he also likes to do is to jump. So, sometimes I just um, shorten the stirrups or take the jumping saddle and then I do some cavalletti work with some jumping that I put them on top of each other. Or after he did some good movements, I shortened the stirrups in the dress. I said, let him jump a few times. That's what mm -hmm. he really likes. And sometimes then he shakes his head and I know exactly <laughs> that he enjoys it too. He was not a big bug anymore, but he shakes his head thinking, oh, I was waiting for it. So I'm really persuaded in the Cavaletti work because you can do really build up muscles. And the horse also is the 50%. If I... My my um, philosophy is that 50% is me, 50% is a horse. So the horse must also um, think and take responsibility. So my responsibility is I have the right line. And what happens over the Cavaletti, it's a horse's part. So it's his decision. I want to have him nice and round, and he takes care about his legs, that he lifts them and puts them on the right spot. And I don't come with my driving aids. And I try to give with my hands so he feels, oh, I'm very free and I can really open up and swing with my back. And so um, I have my um, exercises that I really watch the half-offs and my transition points. But when I use, for example, my one of my favorite exercises, trot and canter cavaletti on one big circle with the two transitions. So my transition point, I have to focus and the trot and the canter cavaletti Francisco says to focus. Or mm -hmm. Bobby also likes this exercise <laughs> a lot. So then they know, aha, this is my job and now it's your turn. And the smoother, the oftener you practice on both sides, then you can have both sides equally gymnastics and supple and round. And um, the horses really um, have to also focus and concentrate a lot. Yeah. So Ingrid, you've you've been talking about some amazing Cavaletti exercises, and that you've you're also an author, and you have a book, right, that talks all about these exercises. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yes, uh, my father started the books the book at uh, 1966, the first book. Wow! So I grew really up with Cavaletti. When I was a kid, there were always the Cavaletti either on his dressage ring or we had, he had also a racetrack around the dressage ring so he put it on the racetrack or in the middle on the grass so uh, first I was jumping then later the dogs uh, tamed the dogs to jump over it <laughs> finally my ponies had to jump it and um, then my father said why don't you um, take the part of the jumping in the Carletti book so this was our first part and um, unfortunately, he died much too early mm -hmm. in 99 when he was only 63. Mm -hmm. And um, on the last day, he was in hospital with the Cavaletti book and said, you know what, I really want you to redo also the book um, Schooling the Young Horse, Training the Young Horse, because the Cavaletti book we have finished now. And uh, it's important that these books keep going. And it took me a few years until finally I took the book and wasn't sure um, to keep all his words. I wanted to have it in a little bit more modern, I would say modern um, expression, expressions for some um, exercises and start to play with more exercises. So finally, every time I redid it again, I put more exercises and I changed a little bit, but only 
um, always had in my mind, um, I want to totally have his words in it or want to explain to people what he, what he, what, what this means or what he want to say. But the um, language has really changed a bit. So um, now I hope that I have his ideas with a little bit more modern language and with my Cavaletti because in earlier days it would be wooden crosses, but the wooden cross, mm. the sharp ends, are sometimes a little bit scary and dangerous when they um, pass it or if you have them on the lunch line. So I, um, a few years ago I found Mr. Ruhmann, a German very good course builder or, or um, material from um, show jumping materials mm -hmm. who build show jumping uh, fences. And with him together, we did this cavaletti with the blocks out of foam and with the poles in different colors. So when I say you have to stay on the inside with this short rhythm or on the outside or in the middle, then it's marked. If you only have a cavaletti with a, one color, It's very hard in a variety of exercises to be very precise that uh, you stay inside, outside, or in the middle. So the new Cavaletti has, you can do everything with it. You can put them on top. You can use them for lunging. You can use them for jumping or for dressage exercises. And um, if you know, they are taking place every day with all kinds of horses or all uh, young horse, older horses, dressage, eventing, and you see how they enjoy it and how they gradually really gain muscles, then I couldn't even imagine to, to bring my horses up to the top level without them. <laughs> and so, Ingrid, how can um, our listeners find the Cavalettis? Can we purchase them around the world? Yes. Um, I was in Canada last year, and um, there, luckily for the clinic, They had eight Cavaletti. So um, first there was a question, is it really worth bringing them and can't you use the other ones? I said, I really want to bring them. Well, then I can show mm -hmm. all the exercises. And with other ones, um, it's sometimes harder. So I was happy that we did it and many, many people wanted to buy them. So they um, were thinking about shipping some over. I was in Australia and Melbourne in February. They have had them, and many, many people wanted to buy them. And I was in England, the same. So I'm, if the people really see how they work and um, read the book for that they have the measurements, because you must have the measurements right, and then the horse has a good chance to figure it all out. And nothing, and then you have to go out and practice and try. Well, just so everyone knows, you can find the books at www.horseandriderbooks.com. And Ingrid, what's your website and how can our listeners find your website online? You can find it in Germany at www.klimke.de. And on the website, you see all the books and also the link to the Cavaletti and to my sponsors because um, a big um, thank you to the sponsors who really still support me, especially in these difficult times where everybody um, has to take care that we all stay healthy and still try to keep going in the positive, optimistic vision that one day everything will be over and we have a chance to come back to normal life. Yes. And I want to really thank to my wonderful team 
because now sometimes we have difficult time with the shortcut here and there, but they all really work so hard and try so much to support all the support from my family. I cannot thank enough to be so privileged to have so wonderful people around me. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ingrid, for coming on the show. Okay, have fun. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, hopefully as we get through this pandemic, uh, depending on where you are in the world, you may not be riding, but if you have any saddle fit questions, any questions about the total saddle fit stability stirrups, Justin at totalsaddlefit.com. It's a fantastic business. We truly love these stirrups and the girths. We use them every day. Um, And I can tell you, uh, as we know, I put, I put them through the ringer. Uh, and Phil, I, as I've been um, by myself, uh, my assistant made sure that I'm o- I'm cleaning my tack and oiling. Uh, but <laughs> they're great products. We can't thank Justin enough for sponsoring the show. And uh, take a look at Justin at totalsaddlefit.com. Uh, and, and if you're having any saddle fit issues, he's he's the person to talk to. So we can't thank him enough for his support. Well, tonight, we are so happy to have back on our training segment, Through the Levels, Patty Mayer, international rider and trainer. Patty, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have you had fun? Everyone had fun this week? Fun I know. training their horses? Pandemic. We, I don't even know what week it is. I don't even know what day it is. But still during the <laughs> pandemic. Patty, I, I've got to just, just ask you real quickly. You have the cutest produce stand they're coming off your farm <laughs> and you had this, it's true. I, you know, Patty and I have been dear friends for many years, 20, over 20 mm-hmm. years and uh, yes. on Facebook and, and she's in California and I'm in Kentucky and I'm learning so all about real produce. friends. We have been we're, real, we're, friends, we're not, real friends, not Facebook friends, real friends, yeah, <laughs> real friends and Facebook friends. But yes, but you've got an amazing produce stand that you're giving to your neighbors. Tell us what produce for, and I've never even heard okay. of some of these so items. I have, you know, I am a, I am a one human, right. And I have about, <laughs> oh, I don't know, 60 plus fruit trees on my property and probably 40 artichoke plants and just vast amounts of stuff. Lots of grapevines. Um, there will be many potatoes in a few weeks. So, I mean, I, I have almost everything that isn't horse, like everything that isn't a riding arena or a stall is, um, or almost everything is um, an edible plant. And so, and of course there's way more than I could ever, ever eat in like, I mean, how many oranges can you eat? Um, <laughs> exactly. So how many I have, oranges you know, can you have in there? Not yeah, air. that's right. I mean, now I have, I don't know, maybe 18 blood orange trees and probably another 10 orange trees of different varieties and apples. And anyway, and so I've got lots of stuff. So what I, and I've always wanted to like, I give them to my neighbors. And so I've always wanted to have a fruit stand. I mean, I, you know, obviously I call my neighbors and say, come pick stuff, but I've never actually just picked things in the morning and put them out on the street um, in my little tiny fruit stand. And I've been doing that for the last month or so. And it's so much fun. People are having a great time with it. Um, You know, if I put out artichokes, they're gone in like 
a minute and a half. Um, everyone I know, I want what, you to send me some. Them. They look amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and <laughs> I have, um, and everyone now knows how to make a margarita with blood oranges. And <laughs> so it's, oh, it's good. So cute. And you were asking about finger limes. I've got a bunch of finger lime trees. They're from Australia. They, if you look at your pinky, the limes are about the size of the top two um, joints of your pinky or the top two parts of your pinky. Um, and they are essentially like lime boba. So you either bite them open or cut them open. And there are little kind of pearls of lime in them. And they're amazing. And you can. I saw the kind of, photos. I was can, like, that is so cool. I'm currently Googling it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. Googling. <laughs> You're kind of looking at <laughs> yeah. your finger lines. Um, yeah. and, and what I was the other, other one? Though, again. Uh, oh, loquats. Okay. So I, I know so what that loquats, was. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. Loquats are this uh, really kind of, first of all, they're a perennial, they're, they're a, an evergreen tree with beautiful, big, flat leaves. And for about two weeks in a year, they, they have these beautiful fruit that are, um, you just pick them and eat them from the tree. And they taste like a very, very delicate peach. And so, and so they're, it's a very pretty tree year round. And then they have this kind of amazing fruit. Okay. Here's some fun things about the pandemic. I also, I've met my neighbors. They bring me eggs every yeah. Sunday. It's oh, so sweet. I have two cards. So nice. I mean, literally we are, it's only Travis and I, but we have eaten <laughs> eggs yeah. in any fashion you can have um, them. We have had frittatas, <laughs> omelets, yeah. egg casseroles. Yep. Like we have been killing the yep. eggs, uh, but they're so good. Uh, yeah, yes. My neighbors have eggs too. It's great. I mean, it's yeah. so fun to like be able to see when you're, when your vegetable garden is in full thing, you then can do like exchanges. Like I have too yeah. many zucchini. Do you have <laughs> other squash? I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot it's of fun. benefits to that. So some some really good mm-hmm. things about the pandemic and the mm-hmm. fact that we get to get you for the second week in a row. Normally, I never get there to you. You're go. so busy. And we've got lots to talk about this week, don't we? We're talking. Yes, lots of This is answering a listener question. Lisa, we love her. Shout out to Lisa. Um, it just she had written us and, and asked the question of what are training challenges uh, that you've seen over time or with specific courses at each level. So yeah, sort of our, uh, our personal, our personal experiences with training, you know, I think all three of us have trained horses and shown them at all the levels. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of, it was a cool idea to say, you know, uh, you, you know, Patty had one horse that did this and Reese had one like, like that. And, and, and we can, we can talk, talk about correct training. We can talk about, you know, what happened to us and, uh, and try and, you know, because it's never really a straight line, is it, Patty? You know, we're always no. trying to trying to manage and and you know no. to to follow mm-hmm. the training scale as best we can. But I mean, yeah. certainly I've had some mm-hmm. um, some challenging horses, and and uh, I think it's a great a great thing to yeah, talk about. Yeah, it's a great segment, and and truly, you know, th- this would be a conversation that we would have off air. We just happen to be on air, uh, you know, because this is why you have friends and, and we're all trainers and we all work together and, you know, Hey, what, what, how did you solve this problem? And, and this is a real thing. This right. is, we're kind of bringing everyone into to what we would 
be we we, we this happened actually we started the week of uh the world cup in vegas because we would have all been there and this would have probably happened with some martinis i'm just saying but uh, we thought it would be a really good idea to share um kind of our conversation so we are now at second and third level and we were talking off air okay. how this is a critical time in horses training um Lots of stuff happens. So let's start start with second level. So Patty, start us off. It's second level, first time you're gonna hit collection. Uh tough uh-huh. time. So 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 start us off with some things well, that you've it's challenged. the first time you're gonna hit collection, but it's also the first time you're gonna hit some of the some stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. at least for many, many of us, let's say me on occasion, you mm-hmm. could have forgot to teach them rain back, because who does that? And then <laughs> second level you think and you think, uh oh, wait. <laughs> so I, I want to start with Rainback, which is, you know, mm-hmm. something that anyone can teach a horse. It's super, it, it does sometimes take two people for me. Um, mm-hmm. I do teach them and there are lots of ways to teach Rainback. Um, let's start with Conrad's way, right? You do a little mm-hmm. bit of a turn on the forehand. You get them inside light to the new outside rain, and then you rain back with a slightly light seat and your outside rain. So if you have done a turn on the forehand away from your left leg into your right rein. You're th- going to use the right rein to rein back with a slightly light seat. Awesome. And I'll tell you, that super helps baby horses. That, it's mm-hmm. an incredibly nice baby, baby horse-friendly way to do it. For me, the other things are I do try to help on the ground. So I will try to teach them a little bit on the ground or have someone on the ground to just put a finger on their chest and just say, Hey, you know, so you just kind of put a finger right as their neck hits their chest below that on their, I assume Mm -hmm. do horses don't have sternums, do they? And, Mm. and you push back a little bit while somebody is then giving a very light aid because you have to explain to a horse that it's okay to move back because we've spent all of this time saying, no, 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 forward, forward, forward. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, true. and then, and then they think, then they think, oh my God, something bad's happening. It's like, no, 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 it's fine. You can go backwards too. It's all right. Um, mm-hmm. and I absolutely, and I mean, to me, the thing that, you know, you are always training by giving, right. You are never training by giving an aid. You're always training by releasing that aid or by, by rewarding. I think that is nowhere more important than in a rain back. That, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just stand in the stirrups and pull them back. You have to very lightly set them up and then give a reward for the attempt to step back. Because the idea is they have to step back in long diagonal pairs. And that's unlikely to happen at the first time you try it. So, boy, for me, I try to as I'm, you know, not when they're at intro and maybe even the beginning of training, but I do try to incorporate in a halt and just one step back or halt and a little turn on the forehand and one step back, you know, when they are pretty young, because I've got, I've just had the experience where I've gotten second level and thought, wait, I, I forgot to teach. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. 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 We've Uh-oh. all been there. Forward, forward, yeah. forward, mm-hmm. forward, forward. Oh, wait. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah. yeah. And it does think... take them a while to think it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think in, like in, in my program and over the years, I mean, I've had, uh, uh, horses all the way from being born. So I sort of try and teach a little bit the idea of my ability to make them back off of of uh, the halter and a lead line from, oh, yeah. you know, 
maybe a month being born and then mm-hmm. like yeah. they have to respect your space and so i you know mm-hmm. just sort of i'll get in front of them or i'll get just a little around to the front and to the side and just teach them the word yeah. back and, and you know yeah. like when i move towards you you have to respect my space and get back and you know and just you know in ground training and 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 then you know they get introduced to it again uh in the bridle but after they've been you know learned to lunge with the tack on and with some side reins on then actually you can effectively teach them a little rein back in a in a in a, a long kind of frame you know they got to keep their nose you know because the foals and stuff, they, mm-hmm. you know, they go backwards, but they will put their head up and it won't be, you know, in the correct. But I think it's just really helpful. And uh, again, at the next stage where I'm going to get on, you know, get around the, the, the mounting block, teach them to walk up to it and go back when I want, you know. So it's sort of something that's incorporated in groundwork really well from the word back. And then, you know, then when I get into into riding, so then uh five year old five years old and then up into six year old six year old six years old is probably usually when i introduce the rain back again because they don't like to have the horse you know to go backwards when they feel like they can escape something so it's forward Mm -hmm. forward forward like you said and then around this time of their life they they have to learn to go back but if they already are clear with it in in the halter and then a little bit in the groundwork training and all of that then they're like oh back and Lost the sugar and oh, and then we go forward again. And, and usually it's not a big deal. And I think, yeah, yeah I think it yeah. becomes a big deal when people try and, you know, okay, now I'm second level and I'm just going to pull on their face and they're going to go backwards. And then, you know, right. even in that situation, they might go backwards, but it's not in the, the correct classical shape of the horse and they're using their, right. their top line properly and all of that. So that's an important uh, thing that I try and teach horses and people that, you know, the reinback is is meant to be an exercise that affects the correct muscles and and affects the the pelvis in a certain way and the balance in a certain way so you shouldn't just you know be satisfied with oh the horse goes backwards that's that's not really the point and that's where people get confused mm-hmm. right. and horses get confused so that's my two cents on reinback love it well love it. i'll tell you i think that your point is right about about the mounting block and about teaching from the ground i mean to me you know like our Versace, in theory, should have horses be super broke, and you should be able to do stuff with them. Like, oh, I don't know, open a gate if you need to. (laughs) Get on the horse, get off the horse. Yeah, (laughs) and I think, and and I think that we sometimes like lose track of the concept of this horse should be pretty broke. It should be able to do like go backwards and forwards and sideways when I need it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and what are some other things? I mean, shoulder in, uh, shoulder in is in second level, right? What are some shoulder in? Shoulder so in? yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm, I mean, I'll give you mine. Shoulder in is to me essentially not a challenge. I think horses really like it. I think it's a, it's not like horses will misbehave in a shoulder in. But it takes them a little moment, and I don't think a long moment, but a little moment to realize it's okay to get their shoulders off the rail because, you know, baby horses have shoulder glue, as you recall, like they really want their shoulders on the rail. (laughs) And so I will have started pretty early making sure that they can be ridden a little in a shoulder four. So not a shoulder in, so not quite that much angle, but just a little bit, a little bit of a shoulder four. And I'm going to tell you my cheater cheater method of teaching children. So USDF, forgive me. We've already <laughs> taught them a leg yield. 
So I will leg yield to the rail and push their haunches out and keep their shoulders off the rail. Uh, that is totally the cheater cheater method, but it's, it's actually sort of nice for a baby horse. And I'm not saying that's the only thing I do, but it's one exercise I'll use so that they think, oh, all I'm doing is that thing I've been doing for a while, that leg yielding thing. Oh, this is sort of a version of that. And it seems to give them confidence and keep them forward. Um, other than that, my real feeling, and I try to teach this to my students too, is that the shoulder in is essentially the first step of a circle, the first step of a volte. So you think about taking the horse off the rail and then not taking it the rest of the way off the rail in the circle. Uh, by the way, the haunches in is the end of a circle, right? So I will consistently think, am I sitting in the right way to essentially start a, start a volte, start a small circle? And then I'm just going to use my inside leg to push them down the rail. That essentially gives you the right angle, the correct angle, and the correct bend. Um, what I see, well, we'll talk about judging in a minute. But so there you go. Those are mine. Do other people have yeah. things? Yeah. I mean, also in second level, you've got hunches in, right? And then you oh, have, I, go ahead. And then right. canter walk transitions. Those are also big challenges that. I kind of start the canter walks. I try to start it early. So it's not just like, oh, wow, there's this thing called canter walk and walk canter. Um, Phil, how about you? I mean, I think, you know, I, the second level is is introducing the fundamentals to pretty much everything that we do towards all the way to, you know, Grand Prix, like we were talking about last time we were chatting, you know, transitions mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they, they're all important. I think... Um, what I try and help horses in this level is not to say this is supposed to be a pre-St. George shoulder in, or this is supposed to be, you know, uh, a, a Traver introduced towards, you know, half pass. I think you've got to kind of lower your expectations about, you know, you always want it to be good and you always want it to be correct. But I think when you're teaching these things, you have to say, this is okay for right now. And this is working well for yeah. me and I have control. I have band. Okay. Maybe the horse isn't super uphill or, you know, maybe the horse isn't as in front of my leg as I want to be. But, um, I, I always have to check myself to say, I don't want to ask too much at this level. I'm introducing it and I'm building confidence to the horse, you know, for all of these movements, you know, like if, if the horse, you know, comes from canter and jogs a little bit into trot and then gets to walk, I have to say, this is okay for right now because I'm building strength, I'm building confidence. And and I think you can overphase the horse a little bit too much when you when the expectation is put too high right away. I totally agree. I think that it's super important to not overface a horse. I think you can overface them in dressage absolutely the way you could overface them at a fence that's too big. And if you do that, you're you know, you put yourself back. 20 steps. And, you know, so then uh, I wanted to, I'm about to misquote Podowski. And I believe he said one Brad ride takes six weeks to correct. Maybe it was six months, but I think that's right. And I think second level and third level are the places that it's easiest to overface horses. With hmm. that said, if you're going to head into a show arena, it does have to be correct in angle, correct in bend, correct with the, you know, yeah, we're wanting yeah, to use absolutely. these things to de help develop collection, not just show collection. Um, and 
I, and I do want to go back to Reese's point about canter to walk because because <laughs> mm-hmm. we're working on that with Junior right now. So mm-hmm. I have a ginormous. I don't know. He's probably he's he's still growing because he just turned six this week. So he's seventeen two and extremely long. So I, he's a full Dutch carriage horse with ginormous gates, a, su- a super good ability to sit, a lot of power. Um, way more power than I can handle all the time, for sure. And we are trying to teach him canter walk. There's a lot of horse to organize to do that. <laughs> and and we've done a few things to try to help him. And yes, we reward the inclination. I mean, I this is a big thing to me. You reward the inclination to do it right. So the second a horse tries to do something, even if it didn't succeed, they need to know that the effort is appreciated. Yes. Um, And even if you reapply an aid, fine, you reapply an aid, but you don't hold the aid. Um, So with Junior, and again, he's ginormous and I am not a huge person. And so we're using things like a 10 meter circle at the canter, trying to get him super collected within the canter, more collected than he would need to be at second level, just to allow his body to figure out how to walk from that. We're also throwing a canter to halt a little bit. And again, is it perfect? It's not. But to some extent, he just needs to know that cantering doesn't mean canter to trot sometimes. Sometimes it means something else. And sometimes if in my brain, I think canter, now we're going to try halting, then I actually get to walk. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, that's so much, right? That's the first time. And, you know, in, in first level, you do so many canter trot transitions, which I'm not saying isn't important. It will come back in intermediate one. I too, Grand Prix. Like, and Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> no, canter trot, super important. But I found when you teach canter to walk, and the horses are like, ah, but you've tra- told me to trot forever. And yeah, like, you can almost I'm- break their brain yeah. a little bit. You know, there's yeah. like, oh, how do I organize my legs in such a way that yeah. we're supposed to walk? I mean, yeah. So it, it's the struggle hard. is like, real. It's, it's hard for trainers. It's hard for trainers. The struggle I know. is real. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, because we're going to talk about flying changes in a bit. I do use one of the exercises that I'll then use to teach flying changes, which is if you have an arena that has um, rail that's significant, or if you're in an indoor that has a wall, or if you have mirrors on a short side, I do a a 10 meter figure eight towards the mirror, towards something that is fairly solid and ask when they're heading towards the rail with their face towards the rail. And I don't mean I'm running them into the rail, but I at least want something that's going to help back them off because at least they're looking at something thinking, Oh wait, I'm going to sit a little bit and yeah. well, I'm not going to jump yeah. out because I'm a dressage horse. That wouldn't occur to me. And, <laughs> and so, well, there's a solid object. You can't jump out. There's a like, solid yeah. object in front of you. And right. that for me allows me to use a lighter aid. Right. Yeah. Other yeah, I, agree, I agree with because, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That helps so many people, so many horses anyways. And, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, but that's the important part. You're doing that with an intention to use a lighter aid. If you, you, if you're doing that and then slamming the brakes on hard, I think you have to reassess the, the purpose and, and sort of the training that's going on. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. So, um, yeah, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, question, because a lot of people, 
you know, this is big. People are like, I don't like second level. I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> uh, thoughts, Patty, mm-hmm. what's your thought on skipping second level? Peter, 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 do not, no, no skippy, no skippy, no cheaty. Um, so here's, I mean, here's my view. If you can't keep your, so the reason somebody would skip second level would be because they feel like they need a double bridle to get a horse on the bit. That's, and to me, that just is, I mean, it, that's just cheating. Either that means you need Mm -hmm. a different horse because your horse is running away. And by the way, a reminder, you know, I got to fourth level pretty fast with exact because I need to double bridle. So, I mean, I have some sympathy, but at some point you do have to tough it out and Mm -hmm. know that you can sit an extended trot or, you know, a medium trot Mm -hmm. and that you can do a shoulder in with a snaffle, if, even if it's not perfect. And there are so many lovely transitions in it. And it is such, it, you know, it is the first time you're doing real dressage. It's the yeah. first time you're thinking about collection. It's the first time you have basically every type of transition. It's so much fun. It's so yeah. much fun. And, and kind of and the struggle is what makes it fun. It's a struggle there. And in, in, in sitting the trot, you, you mentioned that. That's actually a big deal. Yeah. Because a lot of people mm. really struggle with that. And in sitting the trot on some level, you got to just do it. You got to get the horse. You know, it, it may be that you start with four or five steps and you get fitter and mm-hmm. then you get six steps. And then, you you know, it may take six months to get the sitting trot. And mm-hmm. yeah, got to go with that. You got to figure that out because uh, it's super important. And, and the balance and the yeah. fitness of the rider. I mean, that also comes in at second level, which adds to the fun and, and the difficulty so, in some, yeah. some cases. So let's yeah, talk I'm, about that I mean, for one I'm second. A, I'm a fan of, of my students. If they're, it's their first time showing second level, do it for two years because it's hard to do well and it's mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. Believe me, it is mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of riders are like, you know, they, they're getting really great marks, you know, maybe in the seventies at first level and they get introduced to second level, they spend a winter training it. Um, and then, you know, they're showing second level and their, their scores will drop. I promise you there's, I mean, it's no two ways about it. You'll be down into the low sixties, even if you're riding well, I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, do it again the next year until you are confident and and ready to go. and that's homework, right. and that's great. Second level is hard, and it is yeah. a really big accomplishment to score, you know, above sixty-five at second level. And I tell, you know, I tell everybody, I know you don't, you know, I know we, you know, you've got this mentality to be showing a new level every single year, and then you know, in in four years you can be a, a fourth level rider. But believe me, it's it's worth it to spend the time here at second level. It's worth it to 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 get all these things right because they just keep occurring at every level. It's not like you do yeah. a rain back in second level and for fifty percent, you know, for a five or a four or five, and then oh, I, I don't have to worry about that ever again. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's in every part. So so do it well at second level. Get a good, you know, get consistent good scores, and and, and then move up. Now, as a professional. <laughs> You know, uh, I show young horses at the young horse classes, you know, towards the, you know, mm-hmm. FEI levels and being able to do uh, CDIs. And there is no real young horse class that's equivalent to second level. Right. True. Because you've got your four-year-olds. Four-year-olds. 
sort of. Like first level. The, the five the five year olds is yeah, sort of, but and then all of a sudden you're six year olds and you're doing flying changes. Yeah, and half no joke. So can can we go back though to one of my I'm about to say pet peeves, which is sure. sitting the trot. And yep. then and I know we're talking about horse training, but let's just talk about rider training for one moment. Um, I in general, you know, don't teach amateurs for whatever reason. I in general coach professionals. But with that said, when I, in fact, when we were at the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky 12 years ago or something, mm-hmm. and I spent a yeah. lot, uh, that sounds right. Yes. Yeah. I spent a lot of time watching paradressage and I watched mm-hmm. the great, great Danish rider who mm-hmm. not only doesn't have legs, she doesn't have hips yeah. and she sits the trot beautifully. And I've now seen her on lots of horses. And yes, she is a world-class, amazing athlete with no legs and no hips. So here's the deal. You don't need strong legs to sit the trot. In fact, if somebody tells me that their right leg is weak, which is why they can't sit the trot, I say, no, no, no. Your left leg is strong. So you need to, you need to not use your left leg to push yourself out of the saddle. Because in fact, I think what people do is they get clampy. And if you watch some of the, you know, any of the great para riders who have any issues with their legs, and I'm a certified para coach, though I mm-hmm. have no para riders at the moment, sad, sad for me. But uh, it's not that you need your legs to do this. You don't need your legs to sit the trot. Your legs make it harder for you to sit the trot. And in fact, Reese, you are an amazing example of that because you have that beautiful soft hanging down leg that you have that Ellen Bonja has where you're not squeezing. We are not hunt seat riders, right? A hunt seat rider to stay in the saddle is going to squeeze with their legs with those short little strips and the heels way down. We can just hang our legs down and be in on both seat bones. And that's a privilege because you don't need to, you need to have strong abs. And you need to have some sense of balance and you need to be not hanging on your horse's mouth. You don't need to be a physical specimen to be able to do that. You yeah. don't need to be some world-class athlete to do that. And I think people get all hung up about it because the first time they sit the trot, they bounce a little bit. You know, get an oh shit strap, hang on to it, and then start <laughs> letting go with it a little bit. Post, you know, I think, you know, Reese, I think you said, you know, post and then sit three strides yeah, and post, post and, and then sit four strides. Just and, and, do that, just like we do on baby horses. Post and, 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 sit, Patty, post and sit. Thank you so much for that compliment. That was so nice of you. But it it's true. Like I have to be honest. I, I have to work. You know, I I can't. I I like to sit the trot. I'm able to do that. But there are horses where I really struggle, and I have to work on my hip flexors. I do a lot of yoga because my hips are you know generally tight. You know, like I have to work at it, even if I've been doing this a long time. And as I age, which I'm not old, but I'm not young anymore. And 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 these are things you have to work on. And that's just, I mean, I have to do yoga every day to help my hips and to stay soft in my hips. And, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's something you have to really work on. We all work on it all, even as professional riders. And, um, you know, as you can see, you know, we've, we've done our whole section on, on 
second level because it's such a big level, you know, um, it's a huge level. So, so Patty, we're, we're going to have to come back and do third level another day, but, um, that's fine. Cause I'm like obsessed with, with teaching flying changes at the moment. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That'll be our moment for it. We're going to continue with that. But Patty, how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions? Okay. Well, I have an email, which is, and I'm going to say it and spell it which is bailiwickhouse at gmail.com because my house is so lovely. I had to put a name. Um, mm-hmm. B for boy, A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K, house, H-O-U-S-E, at gmail.com. I have a telephone, crazy me, which is 310-729-3365. <laughs> and really reach me on Facebook as well. Um, I'm in California. and um, And there you go. Well, fantastic. Well, Patty, thanks so much. And we look forward to our next installment. We can't wait to hear what's at the fruit stand and how training (laughs) third level movements are going. So thanks so much, Patty. And we'll talk to you soon. Yay. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, as always, we right now we live for Facebook and email shout outs. We love them. Phil and I, Phil's stuck at home. So he's getting all of them uh, (laughs) and I'm seeing them. He's funneling them my way. Um, but no, seriously, we, we really enjoy hearing from you guys. Um, we're really, really looking forward to the start of dressage rider training program as a group. Uh, that's going to start on Monday. You can even register as soon as you can, because, um, it's, it's good to kind of uh, poke around the program a little bit and that's dressage rider training forward slash D R S uh, it's a great program. I've I've done DR. I've done all the programs, so I'm looking forward to starting again with everybody. Uh, and it's a fantastic program. And Nicholas Smith talked about it. So that starts Monday, and or Sunday, you'll get an email from her every week, uh, and it's good. It's a little shot in the arm, which we appreciate um, <laughs> as we're working on fitness. Get, so get motivated. Get, get motivated. We're we're really trying, everybody. So, <laughs> Stay with yeah. us. Yeah, the other thing here that we should talk about before we finish is that the book club book of the month or by month or uh, you know how we <laughs> we're do just that. doing book clubs now. We're yeah, just we're doing, doing book club. All, we're doing, all doing the books. Yeah, uh, our current one is Freestyle: The Ultimate Guide to Riding, Training, and Competing to Music. That's uh, written by Sandra Bolia. and uh, and just I'm just getting right into this, and uh, we've given we've the book's been sent to our auditor, so we're all sort of going through this book and reading it. It's, it's a uh, great time to, to do a freestyle. You got time right now. Or, yeah, yeah, really checking good Checking out music and planning this whole thing. So, uh, yeah, we thank Trafalgar Square. And you can get this book at www.horseandriderbooks.com or lots of other great books. It's a nice time to sit down with a book and, and you know yeah. work, on, work on your education, work on rider theory, uh, yep. horse theory. I mean, it's, you know, there's all great stuff there. So, yep. And you can, uh, we hope you enjoyed the the interview with Ingrid Klumka. All her books are on Trafalgar Square as well. Um, and you can pop on there and grab those books because they, they are worth your time. Uh, pandemic or not, they're fantastic. Well, as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email, feel free to email me, is reese at horseradionetwork.com. 
I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show this week. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back. Please stay well and healthy at home. And uh, we hope you enjoy the show and we enjoy you guys as a community so much. And we are sending big, big hugs and thoughts all your way.